1: <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing be brave be bold and keep caring out there that's all it's about is compassion
0: hi everyone and welcome to another edition of the demores champions for children podcast i'm carol vassar be brave be bold be caring those are the inspirational words of Nemours associate, Crystal Renderos. In just a little while, Crystal shares with us the story of her longtime desire to work with kids in a healthcare setting and about the grave incident that solidified her resolve to follow that career path. First up, though, we hear from Deborah Griffin. Deborah is executive assistant to the Human Resources Leadership Team based in Wilmington, Delaware, and her relationship with Nemours is so much longer than her employment here. In fact, it goes back to the early 1970s when she herself was a child.
2: I was born and raised in Delaware my whole life, and Nemours has always been in my own backyard, which I you kind of take for granted until you realize that not everybody is that lucky. Um, I, My older sister was born in 1970 and she was one of the first cleft palate surgeries to be done here at Nemours. And I remember coming here to Nemours as a little girl and she would have to see many specialists all in one day. And so it was a very long day, but I know my mom, I remember my mom would drop me off in a room and I'm assuming it was child life specialists and they would care for me for the day. There was toys everywhere, arts and crafts. And I remember coming to those appointment days and actually looking forward to it um, because I knew it was playtime and fun time. And, you know, at the end of the day, I really wasn't ready to leave. But when I think about that, you know, as an adult now and as an associate of Nemours, it's interesting how things haven't changed in that respect. I know our child life department not only cares for our patients, but also our patients' siblings, you know, and they let them know just how important they are too. And it makes a a big difference. It makes a big impact.
0: So Nemours left an impact on you positively when you were under five?
2: Yep, exactly. I was probably about five years old. How's your sister today? She's doing great today. She had many specialists at Nemours between speech therapy and ENT physicians and lots of care. But she lives a normal life today and she's a mom now and has kids of her own who have also been treated by Nemours. So, you know, the care continues.
0: Which brings us to today. Where the care continues, and Deb is a Nemours associate who sees firsthand the impact all associates have on the patient experience, whether or not they hold a direct clinical role within the enterprise.
2: I know some folks may say, "Well, I'm not in a direct patient care role, so I'm not really making a difference that way." But in fact, everyone that has a role at Nemours is definitely making a difference in that way. So when it comes to human resources. It's our department's responsibility to take care of the health and wellness of our associates. And the associates, you know, are directly tied into patient care um, some way, shape, or form. So by us helping take care of our associates, our associates can then best care of our patients and their families.
0: Would you say that there is a family feeling in the culture of
2: Nemours? One thousand percent. One thousand percent. I have a little newsletter that we do through through just my little department, and I always like to start it off, dear HR family, sometimes I think we all have a bond with each other, and I think we all have each other's backs, and we're all here for one common goal, and that spans across departments. That's outside of human resources. I think our executive leadership team makes sure to spread that message as well. Especially uh, one thing that was extremely important to me through the pandemic we just experienced was our executive leadership team had a response to that that not many other organizations had, you know, across the country. Our leadership instantly said no one will lose their job over this. No one, you know, will be affected by this or have to stress about being unemployed through this. And I can't say enough good things about that.
0: Talk about that time period a little bit since you brought up the pandemic. What was it like for you?
2: Um, I my son was put on remote learning through school and Nemours allowed me to work remotely starting at that time. A lot of my colleagues also began working remotely that were not before and I think our IS team did an amazing job making sure that everybody was able to access what they needed to access. And on my end, I really would not have known that everyone was transitioning into telecommuting. It went off seamless as far as I saw. But again, it's just another aspect that makes me proud to work here, that they care about us. They care about our our own families the the family feeling I have here is not one that I've experienced elsewhere but to make things a little more interesting my husband works for a well-known healthcare facility here in Delaware and so you know when you come home at the end of your day and you compare your day and how you're being treated by your employer versus what he experiences at his And I know that we are extremely well taken care of here, and I couldn't be more thankful.
0: Deborah Griffin is executive assistant to the Human Resources Leadership Team in Wilmington, Delaware. She's also a vital part of the Nemours podcast production team. And for that, we are grateful. Ask anyone in the world of pediatrics why they went into this field. And the first answer is something like this, because I love kids. Chances are the next thirty or so answers will somehow be related to the fact that they are people who find kids funny and charming and uninhibited and not at all intimidating. But what happens when the worst happens and a child dies? Emergency medical technician and Namor's urgent care medical assistant Crystal Renderos faced that exact heartbreaking scenario early on in her career. And for Crystal, like so many others in pediatrics, it simply strengthened her commitment to her chosen field and showed she was exactly where she needed to be when she needed to be there with the right skill set, which includes oodles of compassion and love.
1: Um, yeah, there's there's one story that I always hold on to that I've shared before with other people. It's definitely um more of a heartbreaking side, but I think it just kind of solidified for me the need to want to work in pediatrics and the need for always to have compassion. Uh, This was probably like my third year into the emergency room as a tech at that point. And um, we had a child come in via ambulance that was a drowning victim. Our whole team did a full code. And I mean, we went way longer than what we had to. Um, And at the time, because a couple of my other coworkers had already started to do CPR, I decided to go and intercept the family at the lobby. So upon that interception, I knew it was going to be, you know, very, very high, strong. They we were going to be very scared. And I just immediately went into, you know, compassion mode. And at the same time, just being a tad bit assertive, just so that they didn't lose it, you know, anywhere that they didn't need to. So, you know, I immediately started being humble about it and explained to them where we're going to go. I explained who I was, what I was doing, you know, and I immediately, you know, kind of like outstressed my arm to the mother, just in case if she needed it, which she did, you know, we held hands all the way down the hallway. And um, as I brought them back into the area, the doctor wanted me to go ahead and bring them into the code rooms. So I did. And, um, you know, they were witnessing the whole thing that was going on while we were getting information and he didn't look good when he came in. So, I mean, and even then we still had hope, but color wasn't great. And, you know, his just vitals were crashing. It was just bad. And I remember at the time when I noticed it just wasn't going good, I said, okay, what can I do to help this mother? I'm not a mother myself. At the time, I was super young. Like I said, I was, you know, like maybe 23 or so. I was just sitting here like, okay, if this was my sibling, because I had siblings at the point, at that point in time, very young as well. Um, He couldn't have been, the the patient couldn't have been no more than maybe six, five or six. And uh, I started thinking about, all right, what would I do if it was my sibling? What, How would I want to be treated? And the first thing I thought was, okay, I need to get, you know, this mom a wheelchair. Because I knew that the instant she found out that we had to call it, it just wasn't going to go well. And so because we had already established a little bit of a relationship together, the doctor, you know, asked me to um, remove them out of the room for now because it was getting kind of, you know, serious. They were intubating and everything like that. And so um, I brought her over to this quiet room. Um, and I remember thinking they were like, oh, just drop them off there and then come back and we'll go talk to them a little bit. And just this, this feeling, in me, mean, I couldn't leave her in there. You know, I couldn't leave them in there. I was just like, you know, this is a quiet, literally a silent room out kind of in the hallway area. And I was just like, and nobody would want to be left alone in here to their thoughts. So, you know, I stayed in there with them. We continued to converse and we prayed together, you know, a little bit. And then um, the doctor finally came in and, you know, when we broke it to her, I'll never forget it. I still had the wheelchair by the door because she came out to talk in the hallway and um, she just, I'll never forget it, looked right at me. And I remember she grabbed my shirt and she just started saying, that's it, that's it. And I was holding her hands and I just, I felt for her. My God, my heart broke just because of the way she was looking at me. And, you know, I hugged her and she was just, you know, distraught, obviously. And, you know, it was just, it was really rough. And I remember telling my mom, you know, the one thing that she kept thanking us after, even though she was in complete shock, she just kept thanking us for that, that compassion that we had and that, you know, we tried to do everything possible to make her comfortable and, you know, just to reassure her that we were doing everything we can. I just always hung on to that to remember, you know, just to be that advocate sometimes for the parents, because sometimes they're just so overly distraught in their little one that they need somebody else to be there for them. So that's really stuck with me.
0: How did you find that well of compassion within yourself at such a young age?
1: My brother was diagnosed with autism when he was two years old, two, three years old. Um, He was born when I was 15. And I remember when he was first put in my arms at the hospital, I was just in awe at how beautiful he was. You know, it was my first time being an older sibling. I just remember thinking how gorgeous he was and how excited I was to be a sibling, you know, and I just, I was there to change all his diapers and help mom and dad and everything like that. And I remember when he started not acting right and, you know, we were kind of starting to get concerned because, you know, he wasn't crawling and doing his milestones. And, you know, when mom finally took him to the doctor and, you know, they told her what it was after a lot of tests. And at the time I was just so heartbroken, you know, because I knew that that was a very hard, I didn't know much about it, but I knew that it was a very hard disability. And, and I remember the doctor telling us just so he was so cold and, had horrible bedside manner when you think about it within that room when he told my mom that he, my brother was never going to talk. He was never going to walk. And it was just so negative, not one ounce of compassion or just, you know, some type of sympathy, empathy, something. And I remember that angered me a little bit. And, you know, as, as we went on and just going through our lives and taking him to therapy and everything like that, I, I saw other kids worse off. And I remember thinking that I just never, ever wanted to be that way. And I always want to say, no matter where my path took me in medicine, I wanted to always maintain that empathy and compassion for people in their moment of need. Because I've just always felt that that's what it is in life, you know, and in medicine. And at the same time, you know, I'm a Christian, so I, I, you know, I believe in God. And I know that that is the the root of everything is love. And I want to always be able to portray that. Obviously, you do need to detach yourself in certain areas so that, you know, your mental health is okay when it comes to the healthcare field, but I don't ever want to lose that. I don't ever want to lose that bedside compassion. You, people need that, especially in this world that can be so cold sometimes. They need that in that moment of need. And I think that's honestly where it rooted from was just my sibling and going through all of that. And I mean, now he walks and he talks. So you know, to give such a poor prognosis, but at the same time, not provide any ounce of compassion, empathy, or hope I think that dro- that drove me for a couple of years to really change my outlook on how you should act within the healthcare field.
0: You've had some varied experiences for, for a young woman. Talk to me a little bit about the team you work with here at Nemours. Who are your fellow associates in urgent care and now in primary care? All
1: right, sure. I'll start with my urgent care team. So my urgent care team consists of um, Aubrey Austin. We normally work together Tuesday through um, Saturdays or sometimes she just works on the weekends. She's kind of varied. And, um, my other tech that works with me is Kaylin Pierre. And then my x-ray tech is Melanie. Um, that's our team. It's usually anywhere between all four of us or sometimes just three of us, you know, depending upon hours and, um, needs and things like that. And it's just such a strong team because everybody is so varied. Me and the x-ray tech Melanie, we come from an, um, ER background, So we understand that, you know, go, 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 get everything done. What else is needed? Just thinking on that, thinking on the, you know, and split as fast as you can. And then my nurse Aubrey has a little bit of inpatient skills and ER skills. So it's just such a strong mesh. And I've noticed that every time all four of us are there, just even just three of us and Kaylin can't be there. It is just smooth sailing every time because everybody knows the role, how to, you know, support the roles at the same time. So if one of us needs something, the other one can jump in. And it's very, very team oriented. And I remember when I first started for Nemours at my interview before I even got the job, I had mentioned to the supervisor that was, you know, thinking of hiring me, I said, listen, I'm looking for a team or close to family oriented department. I need to know that I can depend on my coworkers when I need it, especially when it comes to the skills, you know, for medical skills and job skills that you're going to need. Um, and, and I get that there. My nursing, su- my nursing supervisor, my supervisor, Aubrey is such a supportive manager She's constantly checking if you're okay. She's constantly making sure that everything is running smoothly. If she sees, you know, a parent getting a little disgruntled, she's quick to jump in or or at the same time, give you your space and let you work on your, you know, your de-escalation skills. She's just such a good consulter. And at the same time, helping you grow. And I've told her, I said, you're going to be such a good leader as you continue to, you know, grow as management because of that. I said, there's not enough of that out there.
0: Uh, That family atmosphere that you were seeking and seem to have found, is that different than you've experienced previously?
1: Mm, I would definitely, uh, I guess you can say... Uh, Department wise, yes. Um, But at the same time, the ER that I came from, we had uh, about 40 to 60 beds, depending upon which hospital you were at. And then at the same time, you had a rotation of anywhere between 20 to 40 employees. So to really make those connections because of how high that rotation rate was, um, it was a little harder And then at the same time, I did notice a lot more for me. And Now, keep in mind, I've only been in this company since December, but um, I've noticed a lot more politics where I came from to here. Um, I feel like with Nemours, there's just a lot more accountability which is super important for me. And I just love that people step up when it's the time to step up and support staff the way it needs to be supported. And I definitely think that there is a huge difference between Nemours and where I've come from with that, definitely.
0: And do you think that's kind of baked into the Nemours culture? (sighs) The culture. Yeah, I do there's such um, an
1: openness with Namor's culture and an openness to be accepting of all different types, especially the, the, you know the morality and the morals that you guys go through. You know with the kudos and how you know being in the moment. You know being humanistic. You know um, judging and accepting alternate realities to people. You know all of those different goals that they are trying to instill in their employees is powerful because that is what's lacking in a lot of other employee areas. Yes, there's reprimanding. Yes, you can go and you know tell your manager that there's something you're concerned about, but. Is there really accountability in there and are they really seeing you as a person? That's what's important in an employer and an employer and working. Like I said, I've been from Disney to SeaWorld to into the medical field and over to Namor. So I've, I've had quite a range of different employers and I have to say that this is the, Nemours has such a culture of being aware. That's the best word I can provide to you is just being aware as an employee, as a manager, you know, that everybody is equal on that standpoint and how you are accounted in that.
0: Crystal Renderos is an EMT and a medical assistant with Nemours. You'll find her these days at the Lake Nona primary care office in Orlando, Florida. We've reached the end of another episode of the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Have no fear. There are others to follow. In fact, we've just completed our first year of podcasts. We want to thank Deb and Crystal and everyone who has been interviewed over the past year for taking time to speak with us and sharing their Nemours stories. Now, as we move into year two you could be next. Email us at podcast at Nemours.org. Let us know a bit about you and your Nemours story. We are interviewing exclusively remotely these days, so it's as simple as joining a Zoom call that email again, podcast at namores.org. Tell your friends that they can hear the podcast each week on their favorite podcast app, or by simply asking their smart speaker to play the Champions for Children podcast. Thanks again to Deborah Griffin and to Peter and Debbie for their production assistance. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Fall River, Massachusetts. And our words of wisdom today come from Crystal Renderos.
1: Don't lose your compassion. Don't become desensitized. What's needed is love, attention, compassion, empathy. All of these things I truly believe is what medicine was based on.
0: I'm Carol Vassar, and thank you so much for listening to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast. Till next time, stay safe, stay well, and thank you for all you do for the children we serve.